Good morning. It is, it's good to be back uh, with you guys and uh, love to hear the vision from Scott too and just to, to talk about that a lot. Um, I want us to talk about that a lot. I want us to, to feel like we are we're one church and two congregations. And so part of that is me coming here and being a part of what you guys are doing here. And then another big part of that is you coming to see me. So I'm going to put some pressure on you this morning, too. Um, ball's in your court now. I mean, you're, you're in my debt. So, uh, no, come and see us. We, we are a new church, newish church, small church, trying to grow, and, and, um, and God's blessing it. Uh, but we would love to see you have your support as well to know what God's doing at New Valley downtown. So excited to be here with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, we can turn to first, uh, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. I almost said 1 Peter because we just finished a series in 1 Peter. Uh, we just have one more sermon today before we start our next series. But I couldn't resist going to 2 Peter uh, for just a little bit today. Because, uh, you know, we're kind of in between series and it's, it's, it's preacher's choice a little bit. And um, I just, what I, what I really wanted for us today is to slow down a little bit, to read one verse of Scripture. I mean, so often, right, we're, we're reading through these large passages of Scripture and, you know, we're whining about how we can't say everything we want to say. And so what would it look like just to slow down for, for one Sunday, to read one verse together, read it a couple of times, and, and to meditate on it and kind of lean into it. And that's what I want to invite you to do. I'm going to read 2 Peter 1, 3. I'm going to read it twice for us, slowly. And in between those readings, uh, maybe just a, a time of silence a little bit. Um, and what I want you to do is just think about and lean into and maybe even reread these words and see what, what God may be inviting you to see in your life. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Let's read it together. His, that's Jesus, divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. His divine power has granted to us everything or all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. This is God's Word. Maybe your family is like this. My, my family uh, likes to tell stories. My family of origin, when, when we're together, we tell uh, you know, funny stories about our childhoods, mostly kind of embarrassing things. And one story, if you were to kind of sit in on my family as we're around the dinner table, uh, one story that they would tell about me is, is this time that we were hanging out in a mall together. We had gone as a family to North Park Mall in, in Jackson, Mississippi, a very classy place. Um, and uh, we walked in together, and uh, we you stopped first right at the at the marquee or the map kind of kiosk thing that shows you where all the stores are. And I was probably seven or eight um, years old at the time. 
And so we, we stop there and start looking at which stores, we're, which department stores we're going to go to. And I really notice it and read it, the map, for the, for the first time that I can remember. And one of the most prominent things, of course, on these maps is that red dot, right, that says, you are what? Here. here. You are here. And I remember looking at that and being very puzzled by it. And so I turn to my parents and I say to them, Mom, Dad, how do they know where we are? <laughs> and they were very patient, but you could see they were holding back laughs as they said, really, you know, we were going to have to explain this to you. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you're reading it means that you're here. Otherwise, you couldn't see it. And still, it just took a while uh, for me to get there. But that phrase, you are here, is very powerful, actually, if you think about it. I was actually just at uh, Lux Coffee, which is a pretentious coffee shop you know, downtown, and hanging out there, and I was buying a bag of coffee, and I noticed they have the exact same slogan on their coffee, and it's, a, it's pointing to a cup of coffee, and it says, you are here, you're in coffee. <laughs> and it's just like, that's powerful. I don't know why exactly, except that I know that it's, it's an orienting phrase, right? It's orienting. It's like, if you know where you are, then you see everything else in relationship to, to, the, to where you are. That's, it's, you're here. And that's an empowering thing to realize. This is where you are. And as we take this little break before we start in the next series, I'm going to tell us about the, the series in a little bit. But um, what I wanted to do is remind us, this, is, this verse is almost like saying to us, you are here. This is where you are. This is a huge truth that's basic in a way, and we're going to be talking about just some basics this morning. It's so basic, and yet it is so important, and here is what the point is. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need for a meaningful existence. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need for a meaningful life. That's, that's what it says in this one verse, and it's so powerful. And it's so basic in a way, but it's powerful because we, no matter how much we actually say we believe that, what we tend to do is live like life and meaning and purpose is out there somewhere, right? Success is out there. Meaning is out there somewhere. Happiness is out there somewhere. It's future. It's something that you have to work towards or achieve or grow towards, and it's somewhere there, and it's just beyond your grasp, and if you can get there, then you'll, you'll arrive at the purpose of your life, or the meaning of your life, or the happiness that you seek. And that's a subtle way that we, that we disbelieve what the Scripture says, because if you have Jesus, you're here. You have everything that you need. It's what it says in the verse that we read. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is given to us, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want us to look at that together. Uh, I want us to see three things today about the meaningful life. First, the source of the meaningful life. Second, the substance of the meaningful life. And then third, the key to a meaningful life. So the source, the substance, and the key. So first, the source. What is the source of happiness, meaning, purpose in your life? I mean, that is a big question, right? It's, it's the most important question, in a sense. And the way that you answer that question will direct everything else, right? 
And the way that, that people answer that question is not, people don't agree on this. What is the source of meaning? We get conflicting messages. I was, as I've, we said before, we just recently moved downtown. And uh, you know what happens in a move typically is your, your finances get kind of all out of whack, right? Because you're, you're adjusting to a different mortgage and you're kind of spending money and you're in between places. And so you kind of live in this in between, financially speaking. And so I've been kind of taking it on myself the last couple of weeks to get our budget back in order. And so I signed up for all these promotional things uh, online to like, you know, apps for budgeting and all this stuff. And so I've been getting a lot of spam mail, obviously, uh, from these things. But Monday night, just six days ago, I was up at 1030 with um, one of my kids feeding them bananas. It was my Leland, my third, and he was just awake for some reason. Uh, they all conspire against us, all, you know, always. Um, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm, he's eating, and everybody else is asleep. And I pull out my phone, realizing I'm probably going to be preaching on this passage. And I just start meditating on this passage on my phone. I just pull up Second uh, Peter 1, 3, and I'm reading it and reading it. And this is kind of how I start the sermon prep process. And, um, and right as I'm reading it, I get an email. And, you know, like the bad person I am, I, I got distracted and went towards the email. And this is what the email said. I have a little image for us. Um, I took a screenshot. You can see. I'm not lying. 1029 at night. Um, and, and this is what it said. This is from one of those companies that I had signed up for to get promotional materials from. And this is what it says. Big dreams start with baby steps. Improve your financial life and life in general. Whatever you want for your life, we're here to help. First, we show your total financial picture in a way that's easy to understand. Then we help you take simple steps until you're living that dream. That's a powerful advertisement. <laughs> I like that. And the reason I like that, and there's nothing wrong with it per se, of course, the reason why I like that is because it claims to give the source of a meaningful life, right? It claims to give the source for, for happiness and peace, it claims to have the beginning of it, it starts with finances. If you can just line up your finances in a way that makes sense, and you're working towards things, then eventually you will arrive at what you want out of life. And that is so subtle, and it's yet so powerful. And we could do that with anything else. Almost all advertising does this. It says this is the source of happiness or purpose or meaning, and it's what you're missing. It's not what the Bible says the source is. What does it say? Our source, first of all, is outside of ourselves. It's outside of us. We don't have it naturally. The beginning of verse 3 says, His divine power has granted us everything. The source of a meaningful life is God's divine power. It's found in Jesus Christ. It's not us. It's not the power of you. It's not something that you can work towards and achieve. It's outside of you. Not only that, it has to be given to you. That's what it says. His divine power has granted to us. That's a very strong word in the Greek. It means more than just give. It means like to bestow, to like sign over in writing. He has granted us this meaningful life through Jesus. Right? It has to be given to you. The source of your happiness or your meaning or your purpose in life is not found in you. It's found in what God has given to you outside of you. The meaningful life is not something you go out and get. It's something you ask for and receive. 
Let me say that again. The meaningful life is not something you go out and get. It's something you ask for and receive from divine power. His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. It comes from Him. And that sounds kind of like bad news in a sense, like you can't achieve it, you can't work towards it, but it's actually the best possible news because you know and I know that everything else doesn't work. Everything else is elusive. Whatever we try to use as the source of the meaningful life, it slips through our fingers. Take the classic one that we struggle with in our culture, which is work, right? All of us, how many more horror stories do we need to see as a culture before we stop believing that our work, that money, power, influence, prestige are things that lead to a meaningful life? I mean, this is like the subject of almost every TV show and movie that we watch. Every memoir written, it feels like, is like, oh, I overworked and I missed the important things in life. And yet, here we are, still working 60, 70 more hours a week, chasing meaning. Chasing after significance. It's so obvious what we do, and yet we do it. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you find that's, you know, not my thing. I really value family. It's all about family. At the end of the day, I work for my family. I do everything for for my family. That's all you've got is family. Well, that works until your family moves away, or you move away from your family, or there's abandonment, or there's abuse, or there's dysfunction, as there inevitably will be. Your family can't sustain the weight of that. To say this is the source of the meaning of your life can't be that. His divine power, it's about what God has given to you in Jesus. Sounds like an insult, but it's the best possible news. The source of the meaningful life is God's divine power Second, I want us to see the substance. What is this life all about? What does it look like? It says He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Life and godliness are yours if you have been granted them from divine power. This is the, sor- the substance of this life. It's abundant. It says it's given you everything that you need. In fact, uh, if you were to look at this in the, in the original language, Everything is right there at the front of the sentence. This is what this sentence is about. Everything you have been given for life and godliness through his divine power. It's an abundant life. But also, it's a virtuous life pertaining to life and godliness. Or maybe your translation says goodness there. It's this idea of piety or a good life. And actually... Uh, in Greek, it's, it's not always used in religious context. This is just like being a good person, right? This is the life that every single one of us wants to pursue, the life that is abundant and where we are a good person. It's the good life. And what this passage says is that we have been given that in Jesus. It's already yours. You have everything you need right now for an abundant and good life the right kind of life, the life that you were made for. And I know that sounds um, unbelievable. It sounds like it's not part of our reality. It's hard to believe that statement. You already have been given everything you need for life and godliness. But it's easier to see, it's easier to understand when you see 
that it's not found in circumstances. It's not found in education or whatever else that you might be thinking about in the future that's out there. Those things, time and time again, have proven to be the wrong things to pursue. It's found in Jesus. That's the third point I want us to see today. The source, the substance, and finally the key. What is the key to this meaningful life? The knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Knowledge of Jesus. That's the key to a meaningful life. That's what this passage says. If you want a meaningful life, it's found in growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus. And I know that this takes faith to believe, as I just said. It takes faith to believe that, you know, my life has meaning because of somebody that lived 2,000 years ago. That feels so distant to me. But, but look at the story of, of the Scriptures and the way that it lays this out for us. It tells us that Jesus was this man who was sent by God to redeem a broken and rebellious world. And he lived this life. He lived this, this meaningful life that we're talking about today. Jesus was the perfect example of. He was the human par excellence. I mean, he was the, the best person. He was compelling person to be around. And he lived this life. John chapter 7, I love that passage where, where Jesus, um, he's teaching, and the Pharisees, as per the usual, are trying to like, get him arrested. And uh, they're talking to the officers to arrest him. They say, arrest this man. He's, he's saying heresy. And the officers refuse to do it. And what they say about Jesus is we can't arrest him because no one ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like that. Something that he said, the way that he lived was compelling to them. He lived a compelling life. He died a compelling death. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's finished. And that's the reason why this is in past tense. His divine power has granted us. It has happened already because the most significant thing in history is Jesus' death on the cross and he finished it for us and so now we have everything that we need for life and godliness everything that we need is ours Ephesians echoes this you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places if you know Jesus what does it mean to know him well the Bible talks about a couple different levels of, of knowing talks about knowledge and unbelief. It says even the demons know Jesus' name. They have perfect theology, right? But, but they know, and they, but they don't bow the knee to him. They know, but they don't believe. And some of you know about Jesus, but it's not life-changing. It's not what we're talking about here today, that you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's not true if you just know the name of Jesus. What we're talking about is salvation and experiential knowledge of him. Walking with Him in knowledge. This is what most of us in this room lack. If we believe that Jesus gives us everything that we need for life and godliness, why are we not growing deeper in Him? If we believe that this is where life is, then how come this is not where our life is? It's because of the subtle ways that we disbelieve. And maybe you've come to think, you know, you've been a Christian for a while, you start to come to think of Jesus as this kind of shallow fountain. You know, you've, you've kind of drunk deeply enough from him, and that's, you understand everything, and it's kind of old news. He must be more spiritual than the Apostle Paul, because in Romans 11, this is what he says, 
Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His ways and how inscrutable His ways, His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of God? Sorry, the mind of the Lord. Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. The depth the riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God to go deeper into Him because from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Everything is provided for life and godliness if you go deep into the riches of who God is. Everything about God is worth knowing and pursuing and loving. That's the key to the meaningful life. Students in the room will have to forgive me. I've told them this story before, but I, I almost died in Iowa one time, like literally almost died. That would have been a bad thing to have on your tombstone, to almost die in Iowa. Uh, I was going to school in Nebraska, University of Nebraska, and uh, my parents were living in Sioux City, Iowa. It was about a three-hour um, drive, and so I was coming home from school one time. It was late at night, like 10 o'clock, driving this three-hour trek it was like Thanksgiving, I think, so it was really cold outside. And uh, <clears throat> I call my parents on the way when I'm leaving, say, I'm, I'm heading your way, and, uh, you know, everything's good. And they say, well, a storm is coming in, but, you know, if, if you kind of continue on your path, you should, you should miss it. You should get here before the storm comes in. So I say, okay, and I hang up with them. We get past, I drive past Omaha, which is like the last bastion of civilization before you head into Iowa. Uh, some of you are knowing glances here, right? You've driven these roads. And so I have like an hour and a half ahead of me, uh, and there's nothing. And I look down, and the gas tank light is on. And, and almost right when I look at it, it just and it slows down. And I have to pull off onto the side of the road. Strategy number one, wait. <laughs> no, call my parents. Strategy number one. I better call them let them know I'm going to be later because they know I'm in trouble. I pick up my phone and it's dead. <laughs> Strategy number two, wait for someone to come and pick me up so they can take me to a gas station or get me to safety. I wait 10, 15 minutes. I don't see a single soul. This is on the interstate in Iowa, 10 o'clock at night, uh, before a storm is coming in. Nobody's out. So it's getting cold in the car. And so I decide it's best for me to strike out and see if I can find help. So I start out going in one direction in front of me because I think I see a light in the future, in, uh, up ahead in the distance. And uh, so I walk towards it. I walk a couple of miles long enough to realize that the light is just some kind of industrial factory and nobody's there. Uh, so then I turn back around. I don't know why I did that. But I come back towards my car uh, and start in the opposite direction, behind me. I've already, this has been a long time already. Um, I've walked several miles, and so I start back behind me, and I realize about a mile into it, I'm freezing, and I look down, and I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. I had been so panicked that I'd left my car, I left my coat in my, in my car, and didn't have it on, and then it started snowing, <laughs> and I decided, well, I can't really go back now, these couple of miles, and, and then come back again, so I better press on just in hope to, to find um, safety, and so miraculously, I do. Like, I, I round the hill, and there's a little gas station. I don't know how I missed it um, coming in. 
And uh, it's just a miracle. There's like two pump gas station there, and there's a light on inside, and there's a guy you know, in there. And I walk in and um, tell him, I ran out of gas. I need a gas can. I need to buy one of those so I can walk back and fill up my car and then drive back here. And he's like, oh, we don't have a gas can. Um, and I was like, okay, do you have anything that I can carry gasoline in? And he said, well, I've got some beer bottles in the back. <laughs> and so he brings out these beer bottles for me. And he says, you want a carrier? And I was like, sure. So I'm carrying two, two six-packs of gasoline back to my car, two miles back. Use a little funnel, fill it up, drive across the median, get back to the gas station, fill up, and then I make it home safely. Amazingly. Providentially. I needed a lot of things. I needed heat. Right? I would have died of hypothermia. But I couldn't have that until I started the car. I needed to charge my phone so I could get help, but I couldn't do that until I started the car. I needed eventually food, water, but I couldn't get it until I got in the car and got somewhere where those things were available. And I couldn't start the car until I had gasoline. That was the ultimate need. And so that, for that moment, for those three hours or so, that became the singular focus of my life. Literally, my life depended on it, finding gasoline. And in this analogy, what we see is this is the knowledge of Jesus Christ is the thing that, that fuels, so to speak, everything else. It is the one thing that you need first. Of course you need a good financial life. Of course you need a good family life. Of course you have all these things, educations, goals, purpose. There's lots of meaning to be had in all of those things. But unless you have a deep and growing knowledge of Jesus Christ, none of it else will matter. If you don't have him, you have nothing. And when you have him, you have everything. That's what this passage teaches us. So how do we grow deeper in that knowledge? How do we do that? Well, in a sense, uh, all of what I've been saying today has been an extended commercial for what we're starting um, next week. We're starting a new series next week called Mattering Things. It's kind of a provocative title. We'll explain it uh, maybe next week. But what, what, we, what we want to do is look at the Scripture together for the next eight, nine weeks and look at the most significant words and concepts that Scripture uses to say to how to live the Christian life and then to look at our lives and see, are we living this way? The, the simple things, the, the simple but powerful things, bless, repent, listen, these things that we are called to do in the Scripture and lining up our lives and saying, are we growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ in this way? Is there experiential knowledge of Him? So it's coming up, and I want to encourage you to, to come to those weeks and listen to them online if you miss a week to stay up and to, to take this seriously. But don't wait, of course, till next week. And this week... The challenge for us is to find one or two ways to grow deeper in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What is that for you? There's lots of different resources we can use. You can read the Gospels again. You can revisit your, your testimony. You can think about a time when God rescued you. You can speak with someone. You can listen to something. You can practice the means of grace, prayer, fasting, solitude, silence, 
But whatever it is for you, the means are important, but they're not as important as the end, which is to know the depth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to experience him again, because there is the key to life, the key to a meaningful and godly life, as Second Peter tells us. Haven't you tried everything else? What will it take for us to stop believing that work, money, power, influence, family, fill in the blank, whatever it is, is the key to a meaningful life. Those are part of a life, but they're not the source of a meaningful life. Are you experiencing that, that knowledge of him? Let's pray. Pray, Father, that you would help us to know the depth of knowledge of you, Lord, to pursue after that as the one thing that matters the most. That we would see you not as a shallow fountain, but as just this flowing, living water that we need to tap into every single day, every moment of every day. That we would live this life of dependency on you, thirst for you, and find you satisfying can only do it by your divine power granting it to us, Lord. So we pray that you would. We ask for it. In Jesus' name, amen.